Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a pastor, a leader of a local church, or a leader in ministry, we're delighted that you've joined us and Ministry in Motion is for you. Our topic today is impacting your community through food. And our guest is Dr. Nerida McKibben. Nerida, welcome to Ministry in Motion. Thank you. Now you're well known to the Hope Channel viewing audience, aren't you, through, through your regular health program? That's right. Go healthy for good. It yeah. airs every day, yes. But it's wonderful that we can have a health expert on Ministry in Motion. Interesting combination. It is, <laughs> of course. And it seems to be a natural combination in many ways. Yeah. Mm. Now, using food in ministry, share with us a little bit about that. How do you do it? Well, my other hat is I, I've been a pastor's wife for some years, and so I've experienced what it's like to try and run programs either in church or reaching out to the community. And, and I've seen how important food is in that process. Okay. So using it within the community, within the church community, and also outside the, the, the community, all right? That's right. Let, yeah. Let's explore using it within the church community to begin with. How, how does that happen? You know, there are many ways that we can just drop. We have such a powerful message on health. We have such powerful heritage. You know, we were, we've been counted as one of the blue zones in the world of longevity. And so we have this treasure. And what, how I see it is we need to drop little gems of treasure to our members all the time because okay. every one of us just need to be encouraged along the way. So pop a little health spot into the bulletin reach out to the members in need with food. If someone's, you know, there's a loss, family loss, funeral, um, if they have lost a job, they're gonna need food. So that's a great way of just sharing just that sense of belonging with your members, but yes. also helping their health along the way. Yeah. Now, what, there's something wonderful that happens when you do eat together. Do you know, there, there is a bond that comes. Um, explore that with us. When, when people, the, the old adage is break bread together, um, but just sharing a meal together, there is a bond that develops. Describe that for us. There certainly is. I think when, when we eat, we, if it's good food, um, and we're enjoying it, our pleasure centres in our brain start firing off. And so it, it creates relaxation and openness, a willingness to share. It's something that we've got in common. And so, you know, if it's within the church, church members, they might know each other just by looking across the church building. But when they actually share a meal together, they begin to open up and share their lives together. We just begin to naturally socialize when we start to eat. If we've got strangers coming into the church, it's even more important. Yeah. Because we don't know each other, but this is a great way to, to yeah. meet. And of course, they, they won't be strangers for very long. They'll be friends and, uh, and yeah, those bonds will develop. That's right. If you create these social gatherings, they will become friends fast. If you don't have them, they, they're strangers, they come to church, they, they come at 11, they leave at 12, they will remain strangers. But this is a great way to connect with people yeah. around food. Yeah. It's interesting because in biblical times, when people shared meals together, shared food, it was actually like a contractual arrangement and it was a bonding that took place. And a lot of commentators make the point that when Daniel and his friends didn't eat from Nebuchadnezzar's table, in a sense, it was 
a message to the king that we're not entering into a contractual relationship with you. We're going to eat our own food. And so it was a, an example of where people were specifically choosing not to bond with a, well, it was an enemy power. Um, but of course, they built relationships over time with, with Nebuchadnezzar, as we recall. Mm. So Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So food can be used as an inreach. Share a little with us about how it can be used as an outreach. You know, if we are, say we're running a program in the church or in a, in a hall in our community, but we're doing this for our community, I think adding food really can change that first impression. We get one chance to make a first impression. If as people come in the foyer, they see some hot drinks, some cookies, they say, oh, these people care about my needs and they're generous. So just that first perception can really be altered. And I've seen this in one of our churches. We, we were active in doing evangelism all the time. And we always had new people and strangers coming in. So I just moved that drinks from the hall, put it in the church foyer. Suddenly the word went out. Our church was a friendly church. It was a place to... And I thought, you know, our members haven't changed in the way they greet people. They're still just as friendly. But suddenly the perception was we were a friendly church. And it was just because the drinks table was there, there were, there were some nibbles there for guests. And it just allows that persona of generousness, of love and care to be there for people. Yeah. And as well as that, it, it, it does um, give an opportunity for sharing, conversation and that type of thing. I'm sure you've witnessed some examples of that too. Absolutely. And, and if we put out vegetarian food, then it, you've got even more to talk about because people go, I don't see any meat on the table. Oh, okay, this is a vegetarian meal. And mm -hmm. so they become interested in that. But yes, I've seen a church that, um, a little church plant inside of an English-speaking, a, a language church plant inside of an English church. The English-speaking speakers couldn't communicate with the others, but they provided food. And so as that little church plant had each outreach, all this food would be in the hall afterwards and just so much socialisation happened around that. And I know that was a big key to that church plants being successful. It's a great point, isn't it? Because food does communicate in all languages and transcends languages. Yeah, in connecting with people and, and building those bonds. Yes, yeah. those visitors knew everybody in the room loved them even though they couldn't be told that. Exactly, yeah. So. It also provides an opportunity to, to model a healthy type of diet as well when we're providing food. I think that's really important. I think, you know, there's a saying, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. And it's the same with health. If we can model it, we need to say so much less. And so it's important to be consistent in our modeling of food as we, as we have fellowship lunches, as we provide food. Um, be consistent. You know, if it's going to be vegetarian, make it vegetarian. But also, as, as you know, everyone comes for a potluck, don't just all bring carbohydrates, you know, just everyone brings a pasta dish. No, have a mixture. If, there's, if you notice every, every week we tend to bring the same things, us ladies, if you notice, oh, there's not many vegetables, then switch what your dish is going to be and start bringing vegetables every week so that your visitors see, oh, these people eat a very balanced diet. It's healthy. The desserts are healthy. There's water provided with the juice so that you can have a calorie-free drink. 
those are all messages that speak loudly to people. Exactly, yeah. So, impacting your community through food, yeah, there's a lot that can be done. And there's a lot more that we, can we will discover in our next program. So stay with us. We'll be right back of, with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is impacting your community through food. And our guest is Dr. Nerida McKibben. Now, Nerida, food is something that we all need. We, we all enjoy. Um, I certainly enjoy my food. But it's also a great opportunity to, to provide teaching opportunities for, for the community. Can you share a little about that for us? Sure. You know, we've, our society has moved from being three meals a day through the 50s, 60s. Now we are told, oh, it's best, it's good to graze all through the day. And we've turned from being thinking, you know, our, our mothers often didn't work in those days and they would plan the meal. Now we just snack. And so 60, 70% of people live basically snacking. Now, is this a good thing? No, it's not. It's, it, I think it's been happening for too short a time to really see the impact, but there are starting to be some research findings coming out saying it's not so good for digestion. It changes the um, anti uh, the microbial makeup in our guts, which we know is important for our immune system, for good health. It's changing, our, it's actually elevating our glucose and insulin levels in our bloodstream, which is not good. We're gonna get pancreases giving up, failing. And I, know, I notice a lot more pancreatitis, I don't know if that's related, but certainly that's happening. And in fact, people say it's good for weight loss. What it does is actually drives hunger up and reduces satisfaction because you're never fully satisfied when you're just grazing all the time. And so there's, there's some early research starting to come out saying that. What that's done though, in terms of food and food knowledge, is we have dumbed down in terms of nutrition. We're eating mindlessly when we should be eating mindfully. And if we're aware of what we're eating, we're not going to weigh so much. Okay. Now, how, how do we impart that message to the community? Because we, we're really swimming against the stream in so many places now. This is the way that people energise their bodies. What, what, how do we fix this? Well, I think you're right. It's, it's really that, that stream is flowing fast, but I think there are a number of ways we can do it. I think we can teach health and wellness. Health and wellness is a term that people are interested in. They're just naturally interested in health. And uh, it's always in the top three of, of people's interests. So maximize that, run some health and wellness classes. And with, you know, nowadays you go to the gym, they're offering you nutrition information. Well, spin it. Let's, let's offer a nutrition class with some exercise added in. Or we can do nutrition workshops where we're actually teaching nutrition alongside some cooking demonstrations. You can also do cooking demonstrations and there's a whole, you know, people now have a palate for all kinds of food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can, you can mix and match that tremendously. You know, you can do the heart healthy ones, the vegetarian ones. You can do all the ethnicities. You can do, you know, lunches for kids. You can just be creative and think about 
all the different ways you can put those same recipes out there, but in ways that will grab different people in your community. And then think about nutrition reading, labeling, shopping tours, because everything's written on the packet now, but there's so much of it, our eyes just glaze over. We don't understand all those big words. And I think by, by offering all of these different things, people can be captured and be taught to take an interest. As they take an interest, they learn what's bad for them, what's good for them, then they're going to start trying it and start eating more healthfully. I really believe education is the key. Yeah. Now, has it got to the stage now where people are actually intimidated by the concept of having to cook for themselves? Yes. I think cooking skills are, are lacking. I think, you know, when we went to school, we had cooking classes. Mm. We had to go and do home economics. That doesn't happen now. That's considered, you know, uh, if, you, if you're not so academic, you can do that class. But everybody did it in my day. Mm. Um, and so people are intimidated. They look at, you know, I, I go to, I'm always astounded. I go to the supermarket, I'll put a fruit or vegetable on the, on the little conveyor belt and the young person checking me through will go, what is that? And I'll think... Yeah. They really don't know what that is. It's not exotic. It's mm. just a regular uh, kiwi fruit or a, you know, grapefruit. But they don't know what these things are, and that's frightening. Yes, yeah. And just converting that into something that's enjoyable or palatable in terms of cooking, yeah, that's... Because I've got to tell you, I'm a little intimidated by cooking myself. And just being able to do it and, and produce flavoursome palatable food, it's, it's no easy task and I imagine that there are plenty in the community in that situation. There are and so cooking demonstrations draw people in large numbers. Yeah, yeah. Now there's other opportunities that we have with, with the whole health emphasis that's in the community today with smoking cessation programs, quit now, uh, these types of things. Do you see food as being a part of those programs as well? I absolutely do. I think for the reasons we talked about in the first segment of just being a bridge to, to reach people socially through, but for example, Quit Now or Living Life in Recovery, Recovery Addiction Programs, we know that with good nutrition, good levels of antioxidants and things, and good exercise, people are able to come off of what they're addicted to much more easily. And so that's really important. The other thing, programs like CHIP. Um, What's CHIP? CHIP, the Complete Health Improvement Program. And uh, that's, a, that's a program that is a lifestyle change program that walks people from, like yourself, feeling very intimidated by cooking, let alone cooking health, healthful food, you know. How do I do that? It walks people from the front door right through. They go away knowing how to read labels, how to shop well, how to cook well, and how to enjoy food again that they've cooked themselves that is healthful, low-calorie, plant-based, whole food. Right. Foods is grown. And uh, so that kind of program, it's essential that we do cooking, pro cooking demonstrations for that and all of that teaching. My Plate Diet, um, all, all those, uh, Creation Health, those all sit very much alongside cooking demonstrations. And then programs like Depression Recovery. We know that people who do CHIP, who make this change, 
with diet and exercise, 70% of those who have depression on the questionnaire entering will no longer have depression as they leave that program four weeks later. And that's dietary related? Diet and exercise. So it's really essential to teach people how to cook in a program like that as well. And so, uh, I th and even parenting, I think about, you know, there, there are books that, that tell you how food can impact your children's behaviors. Mm. We feel it ourselves. If we have a lot of sugar, we become irritable and grumpy, tired, lethargic. We just want to curl up in the corner and go to sleep. Just imagine children who haven't learned self-control yet, what those foods are doing to them. So, you know, if you're running a parenting program, incorporate some healthy food choices, how to, how to build food that is tempting for children into that parenting course. So lots of these programs are going to be just empowered by using food as a tool. Yeah, great ideas, using food, using it in ministry. I'd like to come back after the break and explore more of that, practical ideas on how food can be used in ministry. Stay with us, we'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is impacting your community through food and our guest is Dr. Nerida McKibben. Nerida, using food in ministry, for example, a food bank. I've heard a lot about food banks. Can you talk us through exactly how they operate and, and how they work? You know, food banks can be very informal to something that's very formalized and functional. And so it can be just that you keep a stash of food at the church and people come in off the street, often during church services, and they say, look, we're hungry, and you've got it there to give to people, or you give it to your members when they're in need of food. To an organized thing that, that often a district will have all of the churches, whatever the denomination, they all work together. So just um, taking food from their members to a central point where it's given out to people who come, they apply, they give their details. And I know in one town where we were pastoring, there was a food bank that was actually run through the Baptist church. And in order to get food, the first box you get for, for free, almost no questions asked. But after that, you had to actually register and you would get financial um, counseling. Okay. and budget advice and then you could also get clothing if you needed it and so it was a whole network that was put together and so um, I think you know Isaiah 58 says to give your bread to the hungry it's it's a command that we have mm. and so we need to think about those who are less fortunate than ourselves and if, if it's a regular thing that, that you know most of the churches we've been in there's a food bank box in the foyer and when I'm shopping during the week, that comes to my mind and I'll grab an extra couple of cans so that it, it takes away what can be a selfish process of, oh, what can we eat this week to, oh, what can I give to someone else? And you come out of the store with just a different feeling in your heart and you're thinking about others. It's a great concept, isn't it? Mm. You know, and not only does Isaiah talk about this, Jesus role modeled it and demonstrated it as well. Oh, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah just... Yeah using food in, in his ministry, of mm. course, yeah. Mm. Now, gardening is another opportunity that, that churches can involve themselves in? 
Absolutely. Um, there was there's one church in New Zealand where I come from that it was an ADRA project. The, the church had a field next to the school. ADRA was keen to start some work in that town. Just remind us who ADRA is. <laughs> the Adventist Disaster Relief Agency. Okay. And so they, they work in developed countries and developing countries. And so um, this plot of land was developed into a garden, a sort of a market garden, and then a government agency wanting to get people into employment who'd been unemployed for some time or apparently unemployable, you know, perhaps deaf, autistic, they would do a six-month program working this market garden. And during that time, they'd learn work skills, they would learn how to write a CV, how to interview. 80% of the people who came through that, come through that program get full-time employment afterwards and they get credits towards a horticultural degree. And so this was a win-win-win. All the leftover food was either sold to raise funds for the permanent workers or the food was given into food parcels and distributed into the community. So it was a wonderful project. It's still running actually. Wow. Wonderful project that was very effective in many different ways. It's an astonishing return, isn't it? Eighty percent of those involved literally had their lives transformed by this. That's right. You, you know, there's a saying, teach a man to fish and he can fish, you know, you've, you've fed him for his lifetime. Yeah. But, you know, teach someone to garden and you've extended their life, lifetime. You know, you've extended exactly. it with healthy food. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Now, an another unfortunate situation that many of us find ourselves in is being homeless mm. and ministering to the homeless. What are some safe, practical ways that we can you know, reach out to the homeless and, and minister to them with food? Well, you know, our, at our last church, the youth really had a burden for the homeless and for the addicted, um, partly because of their, their own personal journeys. And so we thought, how do we do this safely? We got buy-in from many corporations, a um, foundation that supplied some goodies. And so we all got together as a church. We packed bags with toiletries and different food items and a spiritual book about someone who had come through um, addiction. Um, it was okay. Sheree Peters' book. And so we went out, put a marquee up on a Sunday and gave them hot dogs and ice cream and just kept doing that. And out of that, two or three men have come off the streets into employment and found the Lord. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, just reaching out. Food is such a, it's a basic thing, it's an important thing, but wow, it, it, as we discovered earlier, it does transcend all languages and oh, speaks its own language. Absolutely, and, and that the generosity that the youth could show, I mean, we were all there with them. And as the whole church was there, there was a vet who was also doing free vaccinations for the dogs, because many homeless people, that's their one family. And they were just delighted to have their dogs cared for, you know. Mm. But, but the food is just, like you say, it transcends, you know, it's like the outcasts of our society are the homeless. We often treat them that way. But to go and minister to them was such a privilege. Yeah. With food. Yeah. With food. Dr. Nerida McKibben, thanks so much for coming on to Ministry in Motion. And we want to thank you for joining us as well. Now, Ministry in Motion, it's for people who are involved in ministry, particularly pastors. And Ministry in Motion is closely connected with Ministry Magazine. Now, if you're a pastor and you're not receiving Ministry, the journal, we'd like to invite you to receive this. Send us an email, feedback at ministryinmotion.tv 
Tell us about you, your church, your ministry, and we'd love to send you ministry. Until next time, may God bless you.